Hey there, we're the Westlop Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well guys, we have finally, at long last, come to it. Uh, we are now doing a two-part preview on the Northwestern Wildcats. Uh, we're gonna uh, tonight. We're gonna talk about the Northwestern <clears throat> defense. We're gonna come back with the Northwestern offense uh, next time. Um, you know, we, you think we go in depth on our opponents? Just wait until we get in depth on uh, on our team. Um, obviously, we've been talking about this team for a long time, and it's so exciting to be able to like really dig deep and like real deep into what this team is going to look like on the field. There's a lot to like, and I do not care that percentage wise we return so little because that, that's BS and we all know it. Like we, we've talked about that endlessly on just how ridiculous it is. The returning production numbers. I, I think, you know, I think as you listen to this podcast and the next one, you, you will, you will get a sense as to, just how excited we are about the 2021 manifestation of Northwestern and the, the effort and the depth that we have gone to, uh, to, to research and produce these two podcasts will be evidence of that. Yeah, exactly. I think it's funny. We were looking through the Northwestern roster this week, you know, leading up to these previews and just, you know, one to 99, both sides of the ball being like, we know these guys, like we just know them. And I think, it's you're absolutely right and i think it's we have the perspective to be able to look and and again it's like we're not we're not blowing smoke we're not blowing smoke to blow smoke but we've been northwestern fans for a long time um and we feel like we know this roster and we feel like we know what we have and we're pretty excited about it so oh john we're going to start with the defense um you've been kind of taking point on the defense for all of our opponents um where should, where do I mean, where do we begin? I, I think I, you know, we start with the returning All-American, right? Well, sure. I think one of the things it's it's great though that you let in by being like, were, um, you, you've previewed all the other Big Ten teams, and I think we should stop and acknowledge the fact that this year, more than any other year, we had multiple people coming to us being like, when you guys do the NU preview you should try to do it the way you do the other previews, like step outside of your own body and be like, yeah, you know, evaluate Northwestern the exact same way you evaluate all the other teams. And that's just funny because it's not funny. I mean, it's a, it's a good idea and we try to do that, but there has never been a year defensively where it is harder to do that than this year. It's just, it's we'll we're gonna get into why, but let's let's put it this way, right? So if if I said um, to, to Sam's point, right? Like obviously, right? We would start with Brandon Joseph, and if you asked us, and we were like, okay, do a preview like that for Northwestern, like you do it, other like you can you can kind of squint and be like, all right, so we would put something together, like you know, it was a really big deal that we lost. Patty Fisher and Blake Gallagher. It's a big deal to you to lose Echo Leota because he was the only guy who really reliably got to the quarterback for us last year. But Chris Bergen is a massive piece returning. He honestly, if the stars align, could be a first team all Big Ten player. We know Sam Dup Miller's a former freshman All American. Unbelievable numbers as a freshman and sophomore. He's well clear of his injury um, and is as big a guy coming back. And even though we lost Greg Newsom, you you put a big bow on it at the end by saying, as Sam said, we're still returning an All-American um, and the best safety in the nation in Brandon Joseph. And I would tie that ribbon and there we would be done, right? And that would be it. Well, there's, there's, there's one thing that I think you don't have in there and, and – and that's culture. And I bring it up because it's something that, yes. that has been a through line of your other previews, John, talking about the culture Absolute. that Wisconsin has, the culture that Iowa has, the culture yes. that Nebraska lacks, et cetera, et cetera, right? And that is like 
all those losses, the players that are coming back and sammed up and, and Joseph and, and other things like all of that is relevant as individual data points, but the overall culture really matters too. Absolutely. And it's, it's great that you bring that up now because we're about to go on this long and winding journey <laughs> and, <laughs> and illustrate why we can't do everything that we just said, right? That why we can't wrap a neat ribbon on it. But the place we're going to end up at the end of this long journey is exactly the place Scuzz is talking about, which is just that like Northwestern's stacked with depth right now. And you're going to see all of that. And that is the culture thing that we're talking about. And like, if I was evaluating Northwestern, like cold eyed, not tied to the program, I'd be like, look at what Iowa's doing. Look at what Wisconsin's doing. Northwestern's doing the exact same thing. Those three teams exist on, a, on, an, on an even playing field now in terms of the way they're developing and stacking up talent. But with all of that said, this is where we start going on this winding journey. There's a reason we can't do that kind of simple evaluation. And it's because Northwestern is going through a defensive transition that, and we haven't even really talked about this in this framework, you almost never see this happen at the college level. We had one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, Mike Hankowitz. And then should have won the Broyles Award last year. Should have won the Broyles Award. Absolutely. We all stumped for him. Um, He didn't get it. Should have. And then he retired. He didn't take an NFL job. He didn't get promoted. He didn't get fired. He's just done with coaching now. This almost never happens. So we had a situation where we're changing coaches, even though we already had an awesome D. And we're also not in a situation, right, where it's like, young guy, with this kind of -of state-of-the-art NFL-style defense gets promoted off college team to NFL Team X, and you are looking to keep that exact same momentum going by bringing in the next young guy, and right? It's like, it wasn't that either. So we already had an awesome D, and yet we are also looking to kind of leverage an opportunity to bring in Jim O'Neill, who is a younger generation guy, who is Mr fully embracing kind of where pro defenses are, where pro defenses are heading. Um, and, you know, kind of to, to put it put it simply, change is coming. And all of that change makes it really difficult to evaluate exactly what this defense is going to look like. We're going to try to map it out for you as best as we can. Just John, know, yeah. Before, before we dive in, you know, we should, you know, talk a little bit. I mean, we talked about Jim O'Neill's background Abs- when he was yes. hired. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, I, I, I haven't heard much concern over his you know, time in the NFL this past few years. I haven't heard anyone talking about that, but I think we'd be remiss if we, if we didn't mention like, you know, he'd been the secondary coach for the, for the Raiders last year. Um, he was a defensive coordinator for a terrible 49ers defense. He was a defensive coordinator for a Browns defense that wasn't very good. So, I mean, that, that all is there. Yeah, it is. And it's it's abs- it's absolutely true. Um, we obviously, we're not going to go super duper deep on it because we did that when Jim O'Neill was first hired. But we understand, right, that as Sam said, a lot of you may not be familiar with all that. And right, Jim O'Neill has this background that is incredibly interesting. He is from the Rex Ryan coaching tree. And the Rex Ryan coaching tree is based on multiple defenses with a lot of 3-4 and a lot of aggression. And it's very much an NFL coaching tree with one massive exception um, that that we'll get to. But Jim O'Neill is from that coaching tree. And Sam is right. He did have a couple of rough years. One year in Cleveland where the wheels really fell off um, as a as a defensive coordinator for that defense and then found himself on a 49ers team that just flat sucked like it was awful in every single way on both sides of the ball and um i i correct me if i'm wrong i believe i think ryan day was the quarterback's coach on that team um 
And so, and I think Jeff Halfley was on. The, I need to check the timeline on yeah, that. It, it, yeah. it might line up. I'm not 100% sure. So, but it's like sure. multiple coaches who were on that horrible team spun that into gold down the road. Because I believe Jeff Halfley may have been part of that organization as well. But the, but I think one of the things that we maybe didn't point out at the time or, or put in so much um, focus into was... When Jim O'Neill was hired, a lot of people, there was definitely a section of the Northwestern fan base until Jim O'Neill kind of came out and said the opposite in so many words that were like, you're not going to see a scheme shift, even though we're hiring Jim O'Neill. And looking at this now, you're kind of like, do you think we would hire a defensive coordinator who, let's be honest, has a star-crossed career at best as a defensive coordinator, albeit at the pro level, um, and then ask him to do a completely different scheme than the scheme he has effectively been groomed under his entire career, um, why would we ever do that? Because he and Fitz were like grad assistant buddies at one point? It makes no sense. You're bringing him in because of his belief in state-of-the-art scheme and state-of-the-art concept, the kind of things that are being developed at the pro level. And Jim O'Neill has a deep understanding of those things. And the last and, and, thing, and that being said, they're still gonna like it's still Pat Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. right? He's he's you know Fitz oh, yeah. is a defensive guy. He's gonna take as much as possible of the Mike Hankwitz scheme, like. Oh. We're not going to see stark changes. You're going to see a bridge for sure. And I think you're going to see a, a, you know, a little column A, a little column B. And we're going to get to, and we're going to kind of get into that. And Jim O'Neill's going to find his way just like anyone. I mean, he has not been a defensive coordinator at the pro or college level in several years. He's going to find what works best for him. And then we're going to go forward. But the last thing we're going to mention, because it's the, 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 you know, one of the single biggest selling points of this is that there are few data points for the way the Rex Ryan coaching tree um, and approach a you know a, a lot of three four a lot of multiple and a lot of attack works at the college level from this specific coaching tree. Very few data points, but the one data point that exists is pretty much the best defense in the Big Ten and one of the best defenses in the country, and that's Jim Leonard's defense at Wisconsin. Jim O'Neill was Jim Leonard's secondary coach when they were at the Jets, and Jim Leonard has credited Jim O'Neill with helping develop him as a football player and a coach. So you can look at what Wisconsin does and and be like, okay, you know, that's this is a big part of where we're trying to go here. But again, as Sam said, there's this piece, right, where Fitz is still running the show and we don't know exactly, okay, so where does this all come down? How much column A, how much column B? How much this year are we going to run back column A? How much are we going to shift directly into column B, right? So given all of that, the easiest place to start um, when we actually— Can I jump in with one more comment? And that's just that— for anyone out there kind of being like, what do you like? Of course, there's no way Northwestern is going to just adopt what Wisconsin does and make it work. Um, folks, that's exactly what we did with my, with Mike Hankowitz. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. We've it's, done it. It's before. been a long time. So y'all might not remember or be aware, but um, we called Wisconsin after the 2008 season and asked about talking to Dave Doran, who was a young up and coming linebackers coach at the time. And Wisconsin said, no, 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 you can't talk to him, uh, but you can talk to Mike Hankowitz and very quickly promoted Dave Doran to be their defensive coordinator because they didn't want to lose him. And uh, what, two years later, he went to go to be the, be the head coach at, at uh, NIU and Mike Hankowitz um, cemented an incredible legacy at Northwestern. Right. Yeah. And, and it's like, and the thing is, <clears throat> in this particular case, Jim Leonard, it, it's we like we're in this bubble right now. We've talked about this. We talked about it in the Wisconsin preview. It's bizarre. Jim Leonard's a defensive coordinator right now. He's not going to be a defensive coordinator much longer. He's going to be a head coach, uh, and there's a chance he ends up being a really good head coach at either the college or pro level. Um, 
But it's like when you're talking about that level of excellence, right, exactly. Like looking to emulate that, especially when you've had track records, right, vis-a-vis Wisconsin is, is a good thing to do. So again, with that said, the easier place to start is the secondary because in terms of 4-3 versus 3-4, it's the spot that's least affected by those relative schemes. So things should be somewhat straightforward. Um, and and the overall theme here, and honestly, we've we've talked about this and then we've revisited it and then we've revisited it recently. And it's like the overall themes, Northwestern's in a really good place in the secondary, much better place than most people outside of this program and this fan base understand. Yes, we all know we're losing Greg Newsom. Um, but it's funny, we kind of actually had to stop and realize, and I bet a bunch of you had to stop and realize this too, that A.J. Hampton did not start most of last season. It only feels like he did because he was the leader of the secondary at the end of the year, and he tied for second on the team in past breakups. And honestly, as you know, we'll shout out some like potential young breakout players on the offense and defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, as we go through our previews, as long as we're shouting out young guys, uh, Bradley Locker at Inside NU did a fantastic analysis, film analysis. Go look it up. It's on the Inside NU website of AJ Hampton. Um, that I mean, it's it's so detailed and it's it's impartial, but it's just exhaustive. Go look at it. You want to know about. But, you know, our CB1 this year, you'll it's a PhD thesis on him. Um, go watch it. And you will see, and I think this is one of the big takeaways in a broad sense, that Hampton is really in a sweet spot um, in that he has shown a ton of potential. And yet, he's only a junior now. And you can really look and peg him as a guy who is going to get better as a full-time starter. And honestly, like you kind of have to divorce yourself as as hard as it is from the Greg Newsom experience and be like Hampton is potentially one of the better CB1s in the conference. He's legit potentially an awesome cornerback. And then you look at the other and it's like Rod Hurd and Cam Mitchell, that's your duo in some order at the other spot and both of those two guys looked great. Um Heard had hit some real moments during the season. Mitchell to end the year, particularly in the bowl game, looked just excellent. Um, and I think all three of those guys have had multiple starts. Um, I think maybe Heard is the only one who's, or Mitchell has had one. But you you factor in the quality and that that was a bowl start. Um, so they all have reps, and you know they again Mitchell and Hampton both looked excellent against Auburn. They both tied for second on the team in pass breakups, which is a big deal for Mitchell because he didn't start until the end of the year. Um, it's a it's kind of, it's a cocky, confident, aggressive group. Like these guys want that spot, um, and it's just funny to me because I think none of the focus from outside the program is on that area of our secondary. And of course, Sam said it right off the spot, right off the top, with good reason, because. Safety, we have a guy whose name's on the stadium now, and that's Brandon Joseph. Um, and I think it, it's amazing, you know, he is such a such a big focus area, and rightfully so, that it takes people's minds off the fact that I think we're going to have very good corners. And we're going to get to later, like talking about linebackers, et cetera, where there are guys we're confident in, but we just haven't seen at all really to this point. Well, in the secondary the first guy from that category would be Jaheim Joseph, who was a big recruit and a guy we feel really good about. But Jaheim Joseph is like CB4 here. So like, again, like we're feeling good about the corners. But again, Joseph, his name's on the stadium. Um, and I think it's probably t- talking about Joseph. We know about the six interceptions. You know about his tackle numbers. You know about his All-America status, etc. I think the single biggest thing that we should mention with him is just what, when you watch a bunch of tape on him and it's not just the highlight tape, um, you know, the one handed interception, etc. you just will not find a better positioned football player in the country. 
it's like he has a sixth sense. You watch a couple of the interceptions that he had last year and you're like, oh, well, you know, some of those were tip balls and stuff. And it's like, look where he was. He's always in the right place. And if you watch him on the run, it's like against the run, he has like a radar. And you look and you're like, he's exactly where he's supposed to be all of the time. And that is such a huge weapon because one of the things you can do with a guy like that, we've talked in the past about, you know, that you could potentially see a guy with instincts like this used in like a way Michigan used Jabril Peppers back in the day. But one thing you could do with a guy whose coverage instincts are so strong like this is you can put him single safety high and then you can do whatever you want to do with the other safety because his instincts are so good that it's like he it's almost like he can cover multiple guys. Now obviously like that's not a realistic thing, but it gives you a ton of flexibility. We talked about that last year with Newsom where you're like you've got a guy who can just lock down his man with no need for help from a safety. It frees you up. Joseph does that in a different way. And I think there's been a lot of talk about the other safety, right? And it's Bryce Jackson, it's Coco Azima. You'll see them both. It'll be some sort uh, of combination here. Um, I think one of the things you're going to see with Coco is we know with Coco, because we saw him pile up rushing yards against Illinois two years ago, is that he's a phenomenal athlete. And in a situation where you've got Jim O'Neill and he's looking to attack and he's looking to do all different kinds of things, um, and you've got a safety who covers so well that you could put single safety high, there's a lot of stuff you can do with a Coco Azima, right? And we talked about Wisconsin. You can look at the way Wisconsin played last year with Scott Nelson and Eric Burrell. They're two safeties, one of whom's in the NFL now, and Nelson's still with Wisconsin. Those guys have 13 career tackles for loss from safety. And you can just see how Azima could be used in that kind of role. Like, you can just get so aggressive with a guy like that in a situation. But again, and this this will be a theme, you can flip this whole thing on its head and be like, Maybe O'Neill does want to use Brandon Joseph like Jabril Peppers. And maybe he's looking at a Bryce Jackson and being like, there's a, a safety who's, you know, less on playing time, but he is a senior. I'll put him back single safety high and I'll find ways to attack with Joseph. We don't know how it's going to look. It's just super exciting. It's just fun. Like these guys are going to be playing downhill all aggressive, cocky, confident cornerbacks and all America safety. And at least one of your safety, one of your other safeties is a ridiculous athlete. Um, and it just, there's just a ton that we can do from that position. Something that I think is worth calling out with, you know, when you were talking about Newsom and, and Joseph, John, and how good their instincts are slash were, you know, Northwestern has had players play very instinctively on the back end before and have been very good at it. Um, Ibrahim Campbell comes to mind. Travion Henry comes to mind. Um, uh, Gawin Igubuike comes to mind. I don't think you've ever seen the combination of instincts and athleticism in the Northwestern secondary like you saw with Newsom and Joseph. And if there's anybody that like comes close to me right now, it's, it's, it's A.J. Hampton. And I just, it underscores the point you made earlier that like, yeah, we lost the best corner we've ever had at Northwestern and he was a first round draft pick and we've got so much talent still here in the mix and so many interesting things that a coach who likes to be multiple and just spent the last however many years coaching the secondaries in the NFL can play with. I mean, this is like a toy chest for Jim O'Neill. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Newsom missed a lot of the Ohio state uh, championship game and the entire Citrus Bowl, and right. there's our secondary did just fine in we, both those we, games. Exactly, we highlighted. We even had a couple, a picture we put up on Twitter, right, that shows like AJ Hampton, Rod Hurd, Cam Mitchell. Those guys were on the field for the biggest Northwestern games last season, and you see these guys talk like watching AJ Hampton. You know, in his um, media availability this week, this guy obviously. He projects as a leader of the team. Like, there's no doubt A.J. Hampton believes himself to be 
one of the focal points of Northwestern. Not in a cocky way. He's just like, it's my time. I'm one of the leaders now. And I am cornerback one on this team. And it's just like, you you just see this. It goes back to things Scuzz talked about right off the bat. It's just culture. Like, these guys were big. Hampton was a big recruit, right? Like, Rod Hurd turned down Michigan to play for Northwestern. Like, and then they get fed into that Northwestern culture. Like, it's just, there's just a lot here. But again, this was the easiest area to map out because we have a pretty good feel for the the guys who are going to be playing. We feel very confident about them. We have a rough idea or some theories about the way they're going to get, they're going to be schemed. Now is where it gets complicated um, because let's say we start, we look at the defensive line. As we set off the bat, and Sam was talking about this, you have that schism, right, between we know Jim O'Neill's coming in with NFL schemes, and we know he's coming in with 3-4, and we know Northwestern had a bedrock 4-3 culture before that, so we know you're going to see multiple sets. Um, You're going to see three down linemen. You're going to see four down linemen. You're going to see defensive alignments that shift substantially from down to down on a given set, and you are going to see a lot of personnel. And, and, how and, we, and we've, we've seen yeah. that in the past. I mean, like our defensive line has been, has always been moving around, people changing positions. I mean, Ex- exactly. That, that's the way it's always been. Exactly. It's like these guys have been training for this year. For like the like Northwestern's culture has been training for this year forever, and it is just going to be blown so out this year. Um, and but kind of as a point of reference for for how we know this, aside from the fact the obvious logical progression that I followed with O'Neill, you know, and his hire to begin with, a good starting place would be Jeremy Mazur. Um, and he so Jeremy Mazur is theoretically a defensive tackle but we're going to get into why i say theoretically here um but the big thing to understand is so we brought in jeremy mazer a defensive tackle transfer from old dominion and the big thing to understand immediately defensive tackle is not a position of need for northwestern okay this is he is one of our two most notable defensive transfers into the program this year and he is at a position where on the face of it we do not need defensive tackles. I could say, let's put it this way. Joe Spivak, Jordan Butler, Trevor Kent, and Wyatt Blake, all of whom we love, those are just the Northwestern defensive tackles who weigh at least 300 pounds. That's just those guys. I'm not factoring in like a Jason Gold, for example, who is like just under that, a Tara Edwards, who's just under that, right? Like, again... That's I just listed six names here. Northwestern does not need Jeremy Mazur to come in from Old Dominion and play defensive tackle. What Northwestern does potentially need is large players with experience playing 3-4 end. And that Mazur most definitely has in spades. And because, as Sam said, we have that bedrock 4-3 culture, not many Northwestern defensive linemen do have that experience in spades. Although, we should note that arguably Northwestern's best defensive linemen, never forget that for a second, Sam Dup Miller, um, is built like a 3-4 end. And he played 3-4 end in high school. It's hilarious, too, to look and be like looking at our defensive line now. Understand, Sam Dup Miller is one of the lighter defensive lineman Northwestern has right now even though he's 270 pounds is built like a freight train and we all know he's freakishly strong and yet somehow he's one of the smaller defensive ends we have right now which I find hilarious Um, but if you factor everything I just said in right there are going to be times this year where you're going to see Mazer, Miller and the closest thing Northwestern has to a true nose tackle right now, which is 316 pounds of Jordan Butler, those three guys on the field at the same time in a standard three-man, three-four defensive front. You're probably going to see that at some point. But realize, in that formation, Tommy Adeware, Spivak, Kent, Blake, Jeffrey Pooler, Jason Gold, Edwards, 
and a dozen other talented underclassmen are not on the defensive line. Are you starting to realize how many flipping guys we're going to be playing this year on the defensive side of the ball? It's going to be ridiculous. Um, and, and it's deservedly so. Like, it's depth city for us, and we are and are going to need to use it. Well, I, w- I want to double down on that, John, because I think, as you were saying that, like, there might be some people being like, what do you mean we're going to play all these guys? Like, don't we have a solid rotation? Don't we know who our best players are? But, the, like, that depth term is 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 the critical term. Like they're gonna get they're gonna be guys that get dinged up. Being able to rotate your D line throughout the game is critical to having gas in the fourth quarter. I mean, how many times have you seen Iowa hands on hips as Northwestern you know drives down the field uh, at the end of a game, right? So um, it's just it's just such a critical point, and it's gonna be frankly like if this is the sort of thing you enjoy when you're watching a game, like it is gonna be fascinating watching who runs out there play to play. And, and not to step on the work you're going to be doing in the offensive preview, Scuzz, but it's like eventually we're going to get to the running backs and we're going to talk about the issue isn't like which of the running backs is going to be the top player. We have high expectations for all of them. The issue is the need for depth and the need for them all to play. It's the exact same thing here. Um, you're leveraging all that depth and that culture and that talent. With that said, I think it's, it's further... More, even more educational to look at Northwestern's other big incoming defensive line uh, transfer, Jeffrey Pooler. So Pooler played in an incredibly multiple defense at West Virginia. Um, but in that defense, he almost always played about as wide as a defensive end can play. So he's not a large end. And you can look, and I think he's like 250, 255. That makes him like Definitely one of the smallest defensive ends Northwestern has, defensive linemen Northwestern has right now. And Pooler actually dropped a bunch of weight when he got to college to kind of fit into the best role for him. You can look at his tape at West Virginia. There were times when Pooler was actually used as a spy. So you'd see him at defensive end and the ball would snap and he would drop from defensive end to the middle of the field and spy the quarterback. That is not 3-4 end stuff at all. That is like borderline linebacker stuff. If Pooler is on the field at end, you are trying to get to the quarterback with him. That's the kind of player he is. And the same would almost certainly be said of Tommy Adeware. Um, So I think if you add all that up, I would guess that you're going to see more 4-3 looks on first and second down. Um, So it allows you to put the maximum experienced beef up front. And we have so much of it. Sam Dup coming back, of course, is massive for us. Never forget, we talked about this on Twitter, he was fifth on the team in tackles as a sophomore. You know how active you have to be as a defensive end to finish fifth? He had more tackles than Chris Bergen that year. He is a motor guy, you know, like off the charts and so good against the run. Um, and you're, you know, you're going to want him out there on those early downs. So you can say like Sam Dup and Tommy at Aware are incredibly strong ends. And there are like 15 different combinations that add up to 600 plus pounds that you can put in between them with any number of the tackles that we've already mentioned. And then you've got Pooler gives you flexibility, um, in those sets, um, as a as kind of a pass rush option, we know Devin O'Rourke gives you that kind of flexibility. Jaden Cameron, who hasn't seen the field too much yet, but was uh, you know another marquee recruit, fits the same kind of bill. He gives you that kind of flexibility from that four three look. But all of this, of course, is speculation because, and this is part of the thing you have to factor in to the Jim O'Neill thing and and everything we've been saying. And this, to go all the way back to the top, right, would be like if I was previewing Northwestern as not a Northwestern fan and previewing them exactly the same way we preview all the other Big Ten teams, I would address the elephant in the room, right? The major reality that's hung over Northwestern for all of these years, Northwestern doesn't get sacks. Um, last year, Echo Leota's performance was of course a huge standout because he gave us a piece of that, right? But we just know year to year, we all know this, even the best Northwestern defenses haven't got sacks, right? Um, 
And not as a ha- not as a group, right? But like right, ga- you have ga- individuals. Town, you, right, Afadi, you'll have a Fadi, right? of course, right, right. But as a unit, Northwestern yep. is yep. never ranking at the top of the conference, especially like li- like linebacker. Like Northwestern does not get sacks, especially with their linebackers and and DBs. Exactly. Um, so there's always been that lingering issue, right? Well, it's like okay, if we can make one thing up, what would be the one thing we would improve? Right, it would be that, and all we have to do is look up at that team in Madison and see how a team that does not have speed on the defensive line generates a buttload of sacks. You go 3-4 and you attack like crazy with the linebackers on passing downs. That is the Jim Leonard masterpiece. That is the, the Rembrandt he is painting up in Madison that will get him hired as a head coach within the next probably three years, right? Um, And we have the personnel to make that attack work right now. We just do. Um, And that is the, that's the big thing. And that is the Jim O'Neill piece of this. Well, the the other, the other component to it though, that you highlighted. And I think when you parse, well, at least when I parse Jim O'Neill's comments that have come throughout, you know, the time since he was hired and he's not said, oh, yeah, we're going to go 3-4. It's, it's been more of like a mix and match. I think you've seen, you know, his his prior mentor in Green Bay the last few years, you know, runs a lot of mixed fronts on D. So just like you're describing, John, right? 4-3 three, three on, on running downs, on first and second down. Go to that 3-4 package when you're trying to get after, after the QB. But he, here's the thing. Wisconsin is also extraordinarily good at stopping the run, right? And stopping the run. If you've listened to our other offensive pre or our, our other previews for our opponents in the West this year, stopping the run is the way you win the West. I mean, it's the reason that Wisconsin, Iowa, and Northwestern are built the way that they're built because everybody on offense has got like the pieces or is was trying to build the pieces to have an effective running game. And there ain't a lot of like amazing QBs in the conference yet, uh, at least on on the Western side. So, like like that just quadruple underscores how important a Sam Duff Miller is. And and also, oh, yeah, when you look at all these, you know, all, all the advanced analytics this year hate Northwestern, and it's because we lost so much quote unquote production. But that doesn't factor in Sam Duff coming back and and what he did his sophomore year and even his even his junior year, like. His numbers, like, weren't that far off of of Ecoliotas when you when you you know scale them for a for a full season, uh, except on the sack front. The sack front is the one spot where that's not true. And so I just like, there's there's so much to be excited about here, and and the picture you're painting, John, of how O'Neill unlocks a potential add-on to the Northwestern defense, and 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 a, another layer of complexity and um and and attacking culture uh but still retains the potential to do what we've been doing so well during the Hankowitz years which is lock down on the back end and shut down the run on the front end right and it's like if you're looking to split the difference right it's like talking about like clear-eyed looking at other teams Iowa's a 4-3 front Wisconsin's a 3-4 front both of them are turning over more than half of their defensive line this year. And if you listen to both of our previews, we're like, yeah, it ain't going to matter because those teams crank out defensive linemen who are awesome. And we have a pretty good idea of who those guys are at both of those schools. Well, Northwestern's going to come somewhere in the middle, but we have that same talent and that same pedigree that is going to produce the same kind of results. What we don't know relative to those two teams is Is our front going to look more like an Iowa front or is it going to look more like a Wisconsin front? It's probably going to be a combination of both. And to your discuss's point about the line about, you know, stopping the run, the linebackers are kind of where you end up, because if we were looking at this from a straight historical perspective, right, linebacker situation would be pretty straightforward to resolve here. Like, yes, we're turning over two major guys, but the pieces are, are pretty obvious, right? We know Chris Bergen is an absolute stud. We know that Pete McIntyre is built in the classic Northwestern mold of that Scuzz is talking about, right? He's that classic big-bodied run-stopping Northwestern linebacker who's been in the program forever. We've always thought highly of him. He's just been behind 
the wall that is the firm, right? And he hasn't gotten in and in. But like, we know we completely trust him. We know Fitz trusts him. You plug him right in. And then spot number three, Northwestern either has an athletic freight train who was a major recruit in Kyle Jones or another Gallagher brother in Bryce Gallagher to fill the other spot in some sort of combination. So simple, right? And then you like you, you rub your hands together and you're done, right? But again, we are hammering this home this year. Nothing is simple going into 2021 because it's possible that that a Northwestern um, that Northwestern doesn't go four three a lot of the time. And Northwestern plays a lot of three four, uh, especially on third down, looking to get aggressive, looking to attack. It's possible that a Northwestern three four alignment uses players you don't think of as linebackers right now as three, four outside linebackers. The obvious first name here is Tommy Adeware. So in a lot of ways, Adeware is built like an NFL three, four outside linebacker. It's funny as kind of a, a brief like aside here, I was specifically thinking about this and I was thinking about Michael Sam. And Michael Sam, of course, I mean, most famous for being one of the first out players in the NFL. But Michael Sam won SEC Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year as a defensive end. And a big part of that was the way that Missouri was able to protect him. And the way they were able to protect him was Missouri's defense was absolutely stacked when he was there. They had Coney Ealy, amongst other people. There were a bunch of NFL guys on that defense. And they were able to effectively locate him and be like, look, you're going to be like weak side rush end here. Um, you will never face, you're going to face right tackles and you'll never be doubled. And he was like, well, my motor goes for days and I am going to just knuckle down. And that's what he did. His overall stats weren't great, but the dude ground out sacks because they were able to protect him. And then he got to the NFL and they were like, you're not a defensive end. You're a 3-4 outside linebacker and you don't quite have the athleticism to make it here. But one of the big takeaways was, God, if Sam would have played 3-4 outside linebacker in college, he would have been even better than he was. Because the scheme would have protected him the same way the talent at Missouri was able to protect him, regardless of what college team he would have played. And you can look at Tommy and be like, he is like the same type of guy. You can look at Tommy and be like, he looks like a 3-4 outside linebacker in the NFL. You could say the same about Jeffrey Pooler. And Jeffrey Pooler, again, has experience in those multiple type defenses already. So if you factor that in a scenario where like Tommy is playing 3-4 outside linebacker or some sort of like hybrid end linebacker position in a multiple style defense, you know, an NFL formation defense, um, that does a lot to provide Northwestern with like a veteran presence in the linebacker core that they don't have outside of Bergen right now. So again, to throw out another, another hypothetical, you could easily start, for example, Joe Spivak, Trevor Kent, and Sam Dup Miller up front. Um, Tommy at one linebacker. Let's say Jaden Cameron at the other, um, just to throw you know, out a name, or Pooler. Um, Bergen in the middle. And then alongside Bergen, as the other 3-4 inside linebacker, you could put, for example, Michael Jancy, who is a speedy linebacker. Who and, was, and, John, in a yeah. situation like that, you could absolutely see... like. Tommy playing with his hand on the ground. Like he, you, he could be playing linebacker oh. on the line, hand on the ground. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like the same kind of thing you see in the NFL where you're like, is he a linebacker? Is he, you know, like there are a bunch of players, right, in the NFL where it's unclear. I mean, this is kind of the kind of stuff that led to edge designations in the first place, right? Because people would be like, his hand's on the ground. Is he a linebacker? Is he a defensive line? Not Well, we just send him at the quarterback. But he's like, you know, it's a hybrid position, right? Um, and I think you've got those kind of guys outside. But inside, you could, you know, Bergen is, is really like a potential in terms of the way the his ranginess you can use that against the run. We've been doing it for three years. But you can use that against the pass, too. He can get after a quarterback. We just haven't chosen to do that. Jancy, again, another guy you can do that with. You just haven't seen much of him. This guy played in the Under Armour All-America game. He had a 35-yard pick six. 
um, in the Under Armour All-America game. It's just guys like this get buried because the firm has been piling up 300 tackles a year for three straight years now. Um, these guys are there. Um, and the other guy who could man a spot like this super effectively is Mac Uyline. And I think Uyline's a prime example of the craziness of this particular year. Because in a standard year, to, to go to the point again where we're like, look, you got McIntyre, you got Jones, you got Gallagher, like, boom, you're done, right? Um, in a standard year, he probably doesn't play. He's a true freshman. You got McIntyre, you got Jones, Jancy, Gallagher, other guys um, are talented older players who were big recruits and are in this pipeline, and they all deserve a shot. But this year is special. And the reality is that Uline is basically created in a lab to be a 3-4 middle linebacker stud. He's such a good athlete, and he's so similar to Jack Sanborn at Wisconsin, who might be the best defensive player in the Big Ten this year, and is a star at middle linebacker for Wisconsin. They were both the top linebacker in the state of Illinois coming out of high school, and Sanborn picked Wisconsin, and Uyline picked uh, Northwestern. And as you see with Sanborn, who just goes absolutely nuts for Wisconsin, in the hands of a talented 3-4 schemer, um, you know, a, a talented coordinator who understands it, it, he just becomes a weapon that you can put on the field with so much speed and so much athleticism, and you just stunt with him. And Oiline just like immediately becomes this weapon you can just unleash, like a tool for getting sacks. And I'm not saying I, I know that's going to happen, but I'm saying like there are so many possibilities that make it so complicated to understand which of the guys we're going to want to use in a given set on a given down. And we have so much depth that there are just unlimited possibilities. Like we're listing as many as we can, but you're going to see a lot of this stuff. Can I ask you about one other formation? Yeah. And that is um, something we've seen over the last couple of years that we haven't always liked that we that we that we use different words for depending on whether we 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 like it or not. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we call it the stupid three three five, right? Um, but then there are times where it's been operated as more of like a four two five, and I feel like it is like lightning in a bottle. And the the point here, like generally the way this has worked for Northwestern, with the with the exception of the one year when Keith Watkins was such an absolute incredibly perfect fit at nickel corner is we put three safeties on the field. And if you can, tr like, if you feel good about putting Bryce Jackson and Coco Zima playing next to each other, and now your fourth linebacker is Brandon Joseph. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, it's, hello. I know, I know it's crazy because it's totally true. And again, it's like, I think there's that, there's that misperception, right, that – not misperception, but the firm started with without fail, right? And just those guys, God bless them, didn't get hurt for three straight years, and you just got used to the same guys. And then I, I've seen articles where people would be like, you know, Michael Jancy was an Under Armour All-American, but he just hasn't been able to, like, make it work at Northwestern. It's like, make it work? The guy's stuck behind three unbelievable linebackers. Like, there are only three spots – um, and now it's like, it's a free for all. There's so much talent here and it's different and it's diverse and right. Like a guy like Jaden Cameron, again, that's another amazing athlete who is, you know, you could use him as a four, three end the way that Pooler's probably going to be used, but who knows what O'Neill's got in mind. Maybe he's got Cameron at a three, four outside linebacker, like Fitz is the last person who's going to tell you about any of this, right? So, I mean, the, the, the last person, like Fitz is, could, could not be happier to stand up there and answer Ryan Halinski, Hunter Johnson questions while he's doing God knows what with this defense. Um, so, you know, to conclude with all this, right, is, is there a ton of speculation here? Are we throwing out a ton of hypotheticals? 
some of you maybe are listening being like, this is all BS. I don't buy any of this. We're going straight 4-3 this year. Like, we don't know. There is a ton of speculation here. Um, but there are going to be multiple schemes. And that is going to be, you know, we think that's going to be Northwestern's kind of secret sauce this year that you haven't seen yet. Of course, Fitz is going to keep a lid on whatever they're doing. But again, right, we said it right off the top. The big thing is Northwestern is deep as a football team. So deep at most positions. Like you focus on like, oh, we don't have, an, we need another Ecoliota. We need a guy who can get to the quarterback. We're outlining ways that we can get sacks. If we're doing the kind of schemes like the pieces are unlimited to what Northwestern can do to try to generate a certain kind of a certain kind of look or a certain kind of result here. Um, I mean, it's like a defensive tackle. Again, don't you feel confident going to war with like Spivak, Kent, Butler, Tara Edwards, Gold, Wyatt Blake? You know these guys. You trust these guys. We have seen them perform. Um, and at end, like Sam up again, can't be overstated, a massive addition to get him back. We know how special he is if he's healthy, and he's had all this time to get healthy. You know that Tommy, as again, as we're saying, you put him in the right scheme, again, like kind of like a Michael Sam kind of situation where you unlock him to the next level, he could take another leap. Pooler was one of West Virginia's best defensive players on the line for years. Um, at linebacker, again, this is like like independent of anything. Bergen is a piece that three Bergen is a linebacker. Three quarters of the Big Ten would kill to have right now. Kill. Michigan would give anything to have Chris Bergen right now. Um, and there is a lot of talent opposite him, whether it's three other linebackers or two other linebackers, whatever. That is just they were big recruits. Calla Jones was a big recruit um, put into a system that cranks out linebacker excellence. And those guys are finally going to get a chance to see the field. And to take it back, you know, where we started positionally, Northwestern starts an All-American in the secondary. And yet, somehow, we might have the most underrated secondary in the conference. Um, it's unbelievable that that's true, but it somehow is. Um, so again, Northwestern's going to leverage this depth. People, dudes are going to play. Do not lock in that. Yes, Brandon Joseph and Chris Bergen are going to be studs for you. You can rely on those guys. You're going to see 30 dudes play here. Um, and that is not a statement on our lack of having a top dog. It's just depth and talent. Like we're, we're stacked and we're going to use it and leverage it. Um, and, and, to that point, how we leverage it, honestly, Jim O'Neill probably doesn't even completely know yet. It's going to be into the conference season. We're going to be halfway into the season probably before he settles on exactly what pieces he wants to use, what guys he uses, and when he uses them. And that's fine. And, and um, what's awesome about that, John, is that yeah. um, you can tailor your defense. When you have this kind of depth, when you have this mm -hmm. kind of versatility and flexibility – you can tailor a scheme specifically for an offense that you're going to see. Yep. You're not going to be you're not put in a situation where we're just going to run the same eleven guys out there and just you know tr play our defense. You can you can hone it in. You can really get specific on on what you want to do. Yep, absolutely. And it's funny to rewind way back to where we started when when Jim O'Neill was first hired, right? And the pods we did then. One of the things we talked about is like. This is, it's it's a challenging scheme. He runs a challenging scheme and it is not a scheme for the faint of heart. It's a scheme for talented dudes. It is not like, you know, the Greg Colby, the much maligned defense of, you know, the when Swiss, we were in college. The Swiss, the Swiss cheese. cheese, right? <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, like there, a shift then might not have, have been as optimal, but this is... You're making this kind of shift from a position of absolute strength. It is not often. We talked again about how this is a unicorn situation Northwestern's in relative to a changing of the guard. Teams just don't get a chance like this to totally update their scheme um, 
and not have it be the result of poor performance of some sort. Usually teams that are trying to make these kinds of shifts, uh, you can look over at the team in Ann Arbor that shifted to a 3-4 and now are, are shifted to a 4-3 and now are shifting right back, right? Um, that Bob Diaco, anyone? Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Um, teams that are trying to suddenly rearrange a lot of the chairs uh, have some sort of problem or talent deficient in some kind of area. We are not. Northwestern could have stayed with the status quo here. But, you know, in a general sense, keeping up with the Joneses, being able to offer, you know, prospective NFL players the very best schemes, wanting to stay on the cutting edge, etc. Um, you know, you're looking to bring in an NFL mind, a younger, you know, a younger mind. And again, this is to throw nothing at Hankowitz, who's a flipping genius, right? And was an unbelievable coordinator. But you're presented with this opportunity teams almost never get where you're like, okay, we are stacked at defense right now. How can we look to improve this? How can we not rest on our laurels, right? And I think Fitz is looking for that kind of thing and he thinks he's found it in Jim O'Neill. And, you know, again, it's like you don't get a chance to to do it like this. The timing couldn't be any better. Um, You're going to see all kinds of craziness out there. You're going to see so many guys play. Um, and do not be nervous about this. Get excited. Uh, there are going to be really fun things happening on this defense, and uh, I, that's 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 it. That's the bow on it. We're just psyched. We don't one know what's going to be. But we're psyched. Yeah. One thing I'm going to recommend is that you bring a copy of the roster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, exactly. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of no, a lot of numbers coming in and out, and you know at, when you're sitting in the stadium. And there is no Wi-Fi because there is no Wi-Fi at the stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, to try to like look up who's who is, is tough. So do yourself a favor. You know, next Friday night uh, for the Michigan State game, just print off a copy of the two deep, and then print off a copy of the roster. Just because we're going to go deeper than the two deep, I guarantee it. Yeah, and uh, I, just to, so so you have a sense on who's so, coming in and out. So yes. with with that in mind, I John, I have a very specific question for you. Um, yeah. Famously, four years ago, in our Northwestern preview, you said the following: If he can get on the field this year as a true freshman, Greg Newsom can be a huge X factor <laughs> for this defense and take us to another level. And weren't those words prophetic? Um, <laughs> who's Who's your odds-on favorite to be? the X factor or the unexpected, like the young I mean, comer that could I mean, come into this offense and or this defense and make it, make a stamp like, like Newsom did four years ago. I mean, not to make the obvious call, but it's a wee line. Yeah. I mean, okay. Um, I, I thought, I, mean, I thought that might be the answer, but I mean, and, and again, it's just because he's, he, as a, let's put it this way, right. As a, in a four, three situation, a standard four, three situation, you're looking at a guy like that and you're being like, look, if, if we were linebacker deficient, yeah, you'd play right now because you're a sick athlete and your pedigree is crazy and you were a massive recruit and we'll plug you in. You'll play like, you know, weak side linebacker and you'll be you'll be awesome for us. Right. Um, but ideally, given our druthers, we'd love to have you put on 25 pounds and we'll sit you and, and don't worry, we've got guys to hold down the four and then you'll come in. But in a 3-4, you can be like, yeah, put this predator on the field on third down. We're going to stunt. They're not going to be able to see where he is. You'll you'll put him next to Chris Bergen, and the two of them will be like, yeah, these guys are going to stunt and flip-flop, and you're not going to understand what's going on, and we've got guys in front who will just absorb it, right? Um, And it's like, look, part of you like that you want to double-team Sam up on this down, but you can't because you don't know what's coming behind you. And then you just were like, look, one of the times this athlete is going to get free and he's going to blow up the quarterback. And I, that's that to me is it. I mean, there could be other guys, but um, and I know that's the name a lot of people have thrown out. But again, it's like you you can unlock a Ferrari like this right away with the kind of exciting schemes that I think O'Neill's going to be putting on the field. Well, uh, that is the Northwestern defense. Um, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm excited. I mean, yeah, like Sam said, print out your lineup sheet, <laughs> and and yeah, you're gonna see it's it's you're gonna see a lot of guys play, but it's gonna be fun and it's gonna be exciting. 
So we are going to be back uh, next episode. Um, Scuzz will be taking the lead uh, to take us through the Northwestern offense. Uh, and then after that, we're in game week. Um, it's hard to believe it's here. Yeah, we've been waiting a long time. And, and it's here. We're, we're there. Uh, we've made it to the finish line. And, uh, yeah, just a few more days. And we will be watching Big Ten football at the stadium for the first time in almost two years, which is so exciting. And I can't wait. Um, oh, God. Yeah. Uh, any last words before we, uh, before we close the bow on the D? That's pretty much, that's pretty much it. So much. I think the, the one guy that I think none of us want to see do better, um, is Sam up. Like, I think he's just, he's, he was hurt for so long. He was so good as a freshman and sophomore. He came back, right? He sat out that season. Um, but, you know, now he made that big decision to come back. He's a senior, and, and um, uh, that's a guy I, I want to see him shine. I want to see him get what he deserves. Um, so that's the only other thing I'd say. Oh, well, with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at westlotpirates, and email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics, and look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially at fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazbun, Sam Walter, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.